Hey everyone, welcome back to the DeFi Scoop. I'm your host, DeFi Dave. And today, I'm super excited to have on Miss Mia Grodsky, who has actually like referred me like several guests over the past few months. And I just thought it would be right to have her on because she just does a bunch of cool things and I love her hustle and I love her work. So Mia, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Um, I'm doing good. I think the sentiment for everyone right now is just like, this is the last like push before ETH Denver. So things are crazy, but very, very fun. Yeah. And for those who do not know who Mia is, she is at Yap Global and leads Yap DAO, which is a PR DAO and Yap Global is a PR firm. Did I get that right? Or is, is it like a different media thing? Yeah. Like, what, how would you describe? You got it exactly right. Exactly right. How would you describe mm-hmm. Yap Global? Like, what is Yap Global, and how does Yap mm-hmm. DAO relate to Yap Global? Yap Global is a traditional PR agency, and we specialize in crypto projects. So, our portfolio um, we do public relations and uh, media for crypto projects. Um, and it's, you know, a typical agency. We're based in the UK. I was the first US employee. We have other employees all over the world, Australia, Asia, um, a bunch of folks in the EU. And then Yap DAO is a project that emerged from Yap Global. So we started working with a couple DAO clients last year. And we quick- quickly learned that DAOs operate very differently than even typical crypto projects, um, just because of their decentralized nature. So we started thinking it would make sense to have a DAO that we can kind of do a similar thing that we do at Yap Global, which is PR and communication services for crypto projects, but exclusively and tailored to the DAO space. So that's how the DAO emerged. And we launched, um, yeah, in July of 2021. So about six months ago, seven months. How DAOs operate differently than normal companies or even normal crypto companies. (laughs) Mm, I mean, a lot of ways, but probably the most obvious one is that it's really hard to get decisions made sometimes because it requires one person to just make the decision. But I think in DAOs, there is the sentiment of kind of wanting consensus. So if you're trying to do something like even get a press release approved, well, like who is the person to ultimately give you the yes or the okay? There often isn't one delegate versus a traditional company. That structure is already set in place to understand the approval and review process. Yeah, there's in DAOs, the point person isn't clearly defined. It's more just like a group of people like doing and contributing to things. But if something like needs to get done, it's just like kind of it kind of gets pushed. But you kind of see that in bureaucracies as well. Like things get like pushed down the line and stuff. So it's just like I guess in a way it's kind of like pick your poison. Yeah, I think that is true. Um, and I think too, like, I mean, a lot of, I feel like what we do with the DAO, with through YapDAO is kind of like tr- training people and teaching people like what even is news or what is newsworthy. Um, so that's probably the biggest difference too. Like with Yap Global, a lot of those projects are a lot more well-defined. A lot of those people like probably even came from more traditional work, but the DAO space is so young. It's so new. Uh, there's just a lot of education that's required. Yeah. And how long have you been a part of Yap Global and Yap DAO for? So the DAO, we just launched about like half a year ago um, and Yap Global. Let's see. I've been, I guess, a part about a year, a little over a year. And I met our founder, Sam Yap, who, you know, probably a 
about, I want to say about two years ago, like just in a random Telegram group, um, met her through then, kind of started chatting. I feel like that's the way most people meet is like in a Telegram group. Yeah, no, I remember I got one of my first jobs like in tech through a Facebook group or through not a Facebook group, but just like being friends that's with people funny. on Facebook and just like everything was Facebook chats. Like everything nowadays is just group chats. Those are kind of like gathering mm -hmm. halls, these virtual gathering halls in the metaverse. I wanted to ask, so were you working in crypto before or no? No, I wasn't. I mean, I came into the space like I have a kind of a weird story, I guess. So like I started holding Bitcoin in like 2015 because someone that I was dating like gave me a Bitcoin. People are always like, oh, do you still have it? That's always the first question anyone asks. Um, and so it kind of introduced me to the technology um, and I held on to it. Well, some of it I like, you know, use some of it. And it didn't really like mean much to me. Like I had, hadn't had the moment yet where I was like, oh, this is so cool. I just thought it was like money to buy drugs online with. That's all I thought of it. And then I would say in like 2018, I learned about Ethereum. And that's when I started going down the rabbit hole, researching it. And by like 2019, um, about like two or three years ago, that's when I first heard about DAOs and started looking for like opportunities, places to write, kind of people to meet. Um, and then that led to me like joining DAOs, trying to figure out how to contribute. But I didn't really work like full time in the space until I started working for Yap and doing PR like full time. So that's kind of a very natural progression. Like you first, you know, were exposed to it in 2015 and you didn't really think much of it. Mm -hmm. And then I hear this a lot, like people's brains don't really click about crypto and now Web3 and until Ethereum came along, it's like, wait, you can build on top of this. You can build decentralized sovereign protocols on top of a whole world computer network. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and then that's like when mm -hmm. things click and now you now you kind of see the end stream of that right now with all these different DAOs, NFT projects, protocols. It's really cool to see. And did you know that you want to do PR in the space or did it kind of like naturally evolve that way? Um, it pretty naturally evolved. So like right before I was doing a lot of crypto stuff, I was working in like digital social media marketing, which had an element of PR to it. Um, I had a freelance business and it makes sense when you think about it, because at that time, this was like 2016 to like 2018, 2019, everything I did was like click conversions. Um, and it was just basically figuring out how to market products and get the maximum clicks and views for SEO to drive traffic, get lower click conversions. And it was at the time that I was doing that, that I started learning about Ethereum. And so I had this whole just like mental shift of like feeling like all this work I was doing was just almost immoral. It just felt very, very wrong to me. Um, and so, yeah, there's always an element. I think when you work in marketing, sometimes people often don't understand the difference between PR and marketing. Marketing is paid and PR is organic. So even when I was working in marketing, I was still always trying to find ways to get exposure for the industry that I was in, for the clients that I had. And sometimes it's through PR or sometimes it's through the marketing budget that you're given. Um, so it was all, it all kind of happened. Yeah, I was gonna say marketing definitely has a social engineering element. So like, how can we get as many clicks as possible? I mean, and so like, I feel like Web3 is kind of like, you know, we can like start over with that, but I cut you off, I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, you're good. I was just gonna say like the slimy word, like that's so real because 
anyone who's ever done like marketing or advertising through like Facebook or Google, a big part of it is just you're harvesting huge amounts of people's data and then you're making, you know, lookalike groups and you're appealing to the same exact demographic who maybe lives in a different state or city. And it almost has this addicting element to it because like, you know, you're given just like a, you know, a pot of money and you're just trying to use that to make the most out of it through these online ads. And yeah, I felt really slimy. I felt really gross. And I just kept on thinking like, you know, this, there just has to be so much of a better way to do this where like these websites and companies aren't taking people's data and they're not taking all of this profit. Um, and so coming back to just, yeah, wanting to kind of tell stories, you know, wanting to capture things that were happening in a way that wasn't just like blatant promotion. Um, and that's kind of what PR is, right? It's like, you're trying to tell stories, you're trying to get people to care about whatever project that you're helping, you know, get exposure for. Um, and sometimes it's easy because it's like big names or big numbers. And then sometimes it's a lot harder because it's a smaller project. So you have to find the pieces that will make someone care about it. I guess doing PR and crypto over the past year, have you noticed, you know, what stories get picked up change like from a year ago compared to now? Yeah, I think it has changed a lot. Um, even just like from a numbers perspective, like the funding rounds that people used to want to report on, like those numbers have gone up dramatically. Um, I remember a year ago, like, yeah, people were still always wanting to talk about price. And I feel like that subsided some somewhat kind of like over this past summer. Um, but yeah, I remember pitching like DAOs to mainstream last year and people would be like, oh yeah, I haven't heard about DAOs. Like this is kind of cool. And now most people have heard about DAOs. Like you're not, that's not new information to them. So that's cool. It's like, there were things that people used to be like, oh, I've never heard about this. And now it's lingo that you're using to like clue them into some other idea. That's like an even, you know, like deeper in that subject. Yeah, I feel like DAOs really had their coming out moment with Constitution DAO. That was the first mm -hmm. time I saw, you know, kind of like a national media um, stage. And although they didn't get it, like, it did a huge public service for us at all or like what, what do you think of that yeah i wasn't a part of it like i i gave them some eth and i ended up with some people's token in the end but um honestly i, I was very yeah i was very like entertained and felt like very just like proud watching it happen um and it was also like the i guess the pr side of me it was sort of like there was you know times when they wouldn't comment on stuff or like uh there's a lot of like, yeah, not commenting, I guess, which was kind of interesting to see. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It, it left me with a pretty like positive feeling. I know some people have different thoughts about it, but I, th I was quite entertained. And I think it just clued a lot of people into like a really basic idea, which is like DAOs can be used to like collectively own something or also DAOs can be used for like one single purpose and they don't have to exist after that. So that was cool to see that, like those two ideas kind of like come to the forefront for a lot of people. And I remember that week I had a lot of friends outside of crypto ask me like, oh, have you heard about Constitution DAO? So that was fun to like finally have your friends like, you know, caring about the thing that normally they're like, okay, shut up, stop talking about all of this stuff. I had one of my friends say like, no, Dave, like, 
at some point, like today <laughs> or like tomorrow. Like you got to tell me all about DAOs because the guys. <laughs> did you do it i'm like that guy out of like all my like hometown friends it's <laughs> like yeah. let's like been in crypto i'm like trying to tell him like hey guys you should check this out hey guys you should check that i remember talking about that. nfc's in like 2019 2020 i couldn't imagine to see where they are now where they're going to be in the super bowl coming up um i remember actually <laughs> i have a funny story like in like the spring of 2020 i like meme to try to do an nft collab in the spring of 2020 <laughs> to be like oh let's make like nfts of like memes and stuff and yeah. i was just like a little bit they were like down for it but there was like it was like hard to like put together and stuff like when i this was one yeah. um mm. but like it's so interesting to see this like come to fruition now where like you know last year at this time people were selling memes if you do nft projects too and like how do you, if you do like how does getting press for nft projects compared to like getting press for like crypto and DeFi projects? I haven't done much in the NFT space. Um, I think I would say like my focuses have mostly been like DeFi projects and DAOs. Um, so I've done like a little for NFTs. Like we were working with a, an NFT project about a year ago. And I do remember that just being quite crazy, but that's right. It was like February, March of 2021 when things yeah. were kind of blowing up. But I think in general, like, I mean, it comes down to like the things that people want to report on, which are often like numbers. And a lot of these NFT projects get like huge numbers. So that's really interesting to journalists um, and like big names. Like you see all these celebrities like buying board apes. That's just like the standard now. Like I think even Heidi, Heidi Klum just changed her profile picture like this week to an NFT. So it almost makes it easy because you can like a lot of PR is just like making connections for people. So like if you are working with NFT projects, like you can leverage all of that attention that celebrities are getting to like clue people into something. But um, yeah, I don't, I haven't worked with many yet. One needs to have someone that is like basically the point person, the person that is taking mm -hmm. responsibility, that is getting the ball rolling on things. So what's it like being the DAO slave of the app DAO? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I listened to your podcast with Yaler and you kind of mentioned you're like, there must be a better word for it, which there I'm sure there is. You don't think there is? Yeah. Well, I think it was I think it was Peter Pan who I first heard say that. I feel like I was telling him about Yap Dao early and he was just like, oh, well, it sounds like you're the Dao slave. Like he said it very matter of factly. I think it takes once you're one, you can like spot others. You're like, oh, yeah, you are laying a lot of groundwork. Uh, I think that's mostly what it is. It's just like someone who kind of no matter what will just it, it's like you do the things that no one else really wants to do. You host the meetings, you take notes, like you keep things running um, and just I think a lot of DAO, I mean, it's just community building, right? So there has to be someone who's excited about bringing more people in, sharing ideas, hearing input from other people. Like YapDAO is an interesting case because we are a service DAO. So the idea is that people come to us with projects, they need uh, comms, PR, marketing, support, that type of thing. We exchange um, you know, a service for payment in crypto. And there's a lot of pieces to it that are yet to really be, you know, like decentralized, I guess. There's so many things of like, okay, if a project comes to us, how do you make it fair? Who gets first dibs? There has to be someone vetting not only the projects coming in, but also the work that's coming out because at the end of the day, it is a service with, you know, a DAO attached to it. So that is what a lot of my role has become is just trying to keep the thing running and keep making things happen and reaching out to other communities and 
yeah, it's been it's been really rewarding, but it's also, you know, really challenging as I'm sure you've experienced. I'm sure anyone who's participated in in DAOs or contributed before, like it's yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces all at one time. But then you're trying to do it in a way where you're not like signaling anyone singling anyone out or it's like you imagine a DAO as things like that you're voting on everything and that there's like equal consensus, but I think there's the conversation happening more recently where people are sort of saying that like DAOs actually, it's okay to be centralized, especially when you're starting because someone just has to make decisions and has to make rules. I think the key thing is you have to be open to having those rules and decisions change later, uh, or you have to also be open to having your own kind of like position or authority potentially being removed if people aren't pleased with your decision-making. I'm totally open to that. It's like, you just kind of have to start making decisions. And then once you make a couple more happen, and then there's some foundation that you have to work off of. What's the onboarding process like for um, YapDAO if I wanted to be a contributor? Like, how do I start? It's pretty simple. Like we encourage people to first come to a community call or like schedule a call with like me or someone else in the DAO because we do like to get to know people. Um, but it's also okay if you're anonymous or pseudonymous. Um, and then we have, so we have a pledge fee to get into the DAO because it's a service DAO. Um, so it's, it's a $500 pledge. You submit that pledge along with your crypto resume. So if you're a writer, maybe links to things you've written. If you're like a PR marketing person, links to your work. And then it just gets voted on through DAO House. We use DAO House for our tooling. Um, and that's our process. And I would say we've had, I would say most of the people in the DAO have come through connections. So they've come through like someone introduced me or someone brought them in. We have though have had a couple people who just discovered us. Like we have this one member of the DAO, his name is Max. He lives in Australia. He saw my panel with Spencer at MCon and was just like, oh my God, I am a traditional PR person, but I'm a DGen and this is literally my dream. Like, can I join? And so I like got him in like right away and he's brought in a few more people. So yeah, it's been really cool to see like everyone. I, I do think the way someone finds the DAO is very indicative of like the role they end up playing in it. If it's just like a random person popping into Discord and we have like no friends in common, like no servers in common, um, that's interesting, right? Versus if it's someone where like you can tell our paths have been like pretty parallel. The $500 fee, that's like a one-time fee. Mm -hmm. Do people get it back? Do they like make it back writing articles? Is it kind of just like, that's kind of like you're filtering. It's just like, okay, you really, if you really want to be a part of this, just like put up $500 mm -hmm. and if you do the work, you're like, make it back. Um, essentially, but... Minus the fact that anyone who quits the DAO, you get that 500 die back. So you can rage quit and you get your funds back. So rage oh, it's rage quit. Like yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And you do make it back by taking on a project, but we don't hold it. And like, that's something interesting to like figure out too, right? It's like an aspect of our treasury is just like money we've held from pledges that we can't really do anything with. Because if people rage quit, we have to give it back. So <laughs> I'm sure that'll be a thing like very soon or definitely in the future I think, I think so maybe you should come into the dow and then you can do that for us an officer of the app you can be the, the treasury slave of the town <laughs> yeah. oh, we, we can oh we can do this and that yeah and i've been studying the curve wars a lot so i just have like mm. like floating around in my head should a service dow like yap dow get a token i don't really see the advantage of it at no. all yeah having and maybe like an NFT or something. See, and this, I feel like when I first started like learning about DAOs, everything was about voting. And now in most of the DAOs I'm in, voting is like one of the tiniest 
almost irrelevant parts of it. What do you mean? Or I guess like voting with a governance token, like I always imagined that like that would be like a core part of it. But like with with us, like even launching on Dow House, like that mechanism is, you know, built into the way that you pledge the DAO and, you know, receive shares for your pledge, et cetera. So like the voting kind of happens on there. And like you're saying, there is a need for a token. I guess like how, what other DAOs are you in and how do you notice how they operate and make decisions? I joined Metagamma Delta about like two years ago, I guess. It was right after they launched like at ETH Denver. They make decisions just through like, like written, like on Discord basically, like in a member's, you know, channel. Um, and that's how like, some other DAOs that I've been a part of have made decisions too. That's how YapDAO makes decisions. Like, honestly, most mostly it just happens in our Telegram chat. Just like, it's, yeah. and a lot of the time it's just like, unless anyone objects, like <laughs> I proposed, you know, this. But I find like, and maybe it is because like my skills are very like non-technical, right? So their decisions, like it's not really even at the point yet of like needing to vote on things or make decisions. Cause it's just like, I think still trying to, get like make things happen cool. yeah so talk about like pub like i know you guys have been talking for a bit like what is pub and like yeah yeah you you made the introduction to reza at pub who he's their resident dao slave that's how you introduced us to each other um yeah yeah and so pub they are i think you could call them like a media dao what they are is a guild of writers who are trying to kind of decentralize this like relationship between like projects and media and journalism. Um, so they're affiliated with like Decrypt. Um, they have some writers who are kind of involved with both of those projects. But the gist of it is like people kind of come into the PubDAO Discord. Um, they have like a story that they're looking to get coverage on and they kind of pitch it to the writers in the Discord and the writers can take it. Um, one or two of them can author it, they can discuss it. But really it's a place, it's like, like a virtual water cooler. It's a place to come discuss ideas, talk about things. I just noticed them when they launched because I was like, oh, they're doing something with like media and DAOs. Like I want to follow whatever they're doing. Um, and now and we're starting to figure out like this relationship between YapDAO and PubDAO and kind of how we can help each other and really how we can just like streamline access of information and like especially news coming out of DAOs. Like, we're working on our first announcement with them right now, um, which will be fun to see kind of come through because it's like this, there's so many DAOs involved with this. So coming back to this conversation of like getting consensus, like trying to get consensus within one DAO is hard, let alone if you're trying to write a press release that involves like five DAOs. <laughs> It'll be really interesting to see like what PubDAO do, is doing is, is interesting. Um, and it definitely relates to YapDAO. So I think it'll be lots of room for experimentation to just like kind of see what works. Yeah, because YapDAO is pitching stories. PubDAO mm -hmm. is writing stories. It's really mm -hmm. a match made in heaven. Yeah. And I think too, also at the bottom, like the bottom of that, like amazing things are being built and people are doing cool stuff and people don't know about it or those projects don't know how to communicate what they're doing or like... And I know you've like worked in media before too, but like a lot of this is just timing. So like maybe you did something really cool, but then like you're trying to get coverage on it like after it was released or like trying to come and get like PR like the day before something happens. Like stories, good stories need time. Writers need time to write them. Um, yeah, the timing is everything. Mm -hmm. For example, if you're mm -hmm. in like the 5 protocol and like 
over the summer and like DeFi 2.0 was taking off and you could just like attach what you were building to DeFi 2.0. Like, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with like there's, I mean, and I'm sure that there's other like media DAOs too, or people who are like working on these similar projects or these similar problems. Um, but it'll be cool to see how, how we're able to work together. So we'll see how this one goes. You don't have to name the da- other DAOs, but what types of DAOs are, is it like, so service DAOs, media DAOs? Is there like, what other types of DAOs? Oh, you're going to know, it's going to be so obvious to you. Um, I don't know if I should say it or not. I guess if this isn't going to get released, the news is going to go out next week because it, it's going to come out of ETH Denver. Um, but it's, uh, it's super exciting for a bunch of DAOs that are involved with the announcement. I don't know if I can say. <laughs> well, honestly, yeah. we don't have to say it. It's fine. I'll, I'll tell <laughs> you after we record. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can get the scoop, but your podcast can. <laughs> what other DAOs are you a part of? Or like, are there any DAOs that you aren't a part of that, that just generally impress you? Yeah, I mean, I'm super impressed with like, I mean, a lot of like the DAOs I work with, I'm super impressed by like everyone like DAO House and Raid Guild. It's like, yeah, super cool. Um, I mean, Meta Cartel, which you and I met at MCON, um, I think I'm like, like sort of part of that community. Um, some of the other DAOs that have like come up from the constitution DAO craze have been kind of interesting. I was doing some stuff with like, um, like open access DAO who was trying to like figure out a way to just like bring access of information, basically like combat, um, paid uh, like scientific journals, like inspired by the, the story of Aaron Swartz. Um, so I was kind of involved with with that DAO like a little bit when they had launched. Um, I'm in like this DAO working group right now that emerged recently over the past couple of months. Yaler mentioned it on your pat on your the podcast too. It's they're called Groundwork, um, and it's kind of just like this group of DAO stewards. So. I feel very much a lurker in a lot of these DAOs. I'm definitely the person like in Discord, like reading things, observing how others are making decisions. I like to kind of be on those sidelines, you know, watching. Yeah, I feel notes. like 80, 90% of people are just lurkers because it's just like, so, there's yeah. so much going on. There's so many different channels and some, you know, it's like hard to like get a grasp. And like, once you do, then you could like getting into a yeah. DAO. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is really interesting that like fi- figuring out how you can contribute to a DAO because like I feel like Metagame Delta is such a great example because like when I pledged that DAO just like, yeah, a little over two years ago, I guess it was like right after they formed, which was at ETH Denver in 2020. And at that time, like I was looking to make connections in the space. I was like trying to figure out how to work full time in the space. At that time, I felt like I was really using their resources. I was using the other women in that group. I was attending meetings. I was learning things. I was like using MetaMask and just kind of like getting familiar with the landscape. And now, two years later, how I can contribute is very, very obvious because I have these connections to media and I'm kind of, you know, like seeing the things that they're doing. And there's a very clear path to contribution for me. But it wasn't this way. I mean, even like two years ago, a year ago, there wasn't as many things maybe happening in the DAO that were like newsworthy or would have kind of made me feel like I had a clear um, way to contribute. So I think that's cool too. Like you can sometimes be in these communities for a while, kind of passively, but just being there and observing and you, you do end up absorbing and learning a lot. And then later on you see like, oh wait, I know exactly kind of like how I can do or what I can do here. And it takes time to mm-hmm. digest everything. Like, and then goes from like being a lurker to being a contributor. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you're coming up to Denver. You're, what, mm-hmm. When are you heading there? Like what days are we going to be there? I leave tomorrow. I leave tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll be like, there through the conference. Yeah. Cool. And like East Denver was, is like the home base of yep. Yapdown. I remember you telling me like, Yap, like there's some like really close <laughs> relationship, right? Uh, well, so Yap for Yap Global, we're, we're doing PR for the conference. So we're attending, uh, yeah, 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 as PR partners. Um, and yeah, it, it's going to be crowded. There's going to be a lot of people there. How big it is, how big it's going to be like 15,000 people. Yeah, we like we have team members kind of like from all over the world flying in. So I'll get to meet some team members that I haven't that I've been like working with and haven't met yet, which is always really exciting. Oh, that's so cool. I know. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Where are the other PR firms? Are do any exist? Like, and you guys, not only that, but you guys are like hustling in there. Like when I was writing for the Defiant, you're just like, oh, what? yeah. Like you can pick up with me. I was like, okay, I guess I can like I better like talk to some people. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so overwhelming. <laughs> I know. I do remember that. It was at LizCon. I remember like coming up to you and I was like, hey, like, what are you, what are you writing about? Who do you want to talk to? I have no idea. I'm just kind of hung over. Mm-hmm. I just need some water. <laughs> I remember like snapping photos of like you and like Kevin Awoki and then like yeah. you and, and there's someone else too. It was, oh, Amir. Amir Taki. Yeah, Amir Taki, and I was like, I felt like kind of like a soccer mom or something, or like a stage mom. I was like, I'm gonna get this sort of Dave like talking to Amir, like he'll he'll want this later on. <laughs> it was just photos of me LARPing as a journalist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah, I know we're super lucky to get to go to these conferences, and like, yeah, it's like our our job there is trying to capture the stories on the ground and just like listening to conversations and trying to like connect people who like journalists who are writing about something and just trying to point them in the right direction. Um, but yeah. And you're coming again. I am. Yeah. I hope you're thinking about, yeah, what you want to write about. <laughs> do you, do you have ideas? Since I like did LizCon before. Okay. Like I, I guess I do have like a story, like stories then themes that I am thinking about. Um, mm-hmm. Like what, it's kind of the meta right now in crypto and right now it's just the meta i see is like kind of l2s and like new like chains i also see like GameFi evolving mm-hmm. um you kind of uh, nfts like i don't know you say i mean you see with nfts like the floor is just like liquidity all dried up and like i feel like volume has just like um mm-hmm. you kind of see like social coming out like i know Vita- like mm-hmm. i was gonna ask you, i'd love to talk to vitalik speaking and with like the lens protocol coming out from ave and like mm-hmm. i remember at paris he did a whole speech on like oh like yeah. things on ethereum and like a bit social he's been thinking a lot about it and like mm-hmm. i'd love to like get his take and what i see with like the lens protocol like the I feel like created that was because of they want to do under collateralized lending and the way to do that mm-hmm. is to have like develop like some like on-chain history to like determine loans yeah that's super interesting wasn't stani's talk at lizcon also about like social media yeah Yeah. i may be doing a a dj set at the gelato party a lo-fi house dj set so like that sounds great yeah so it goes with the gelato vibes pretty well (laughs) lo-fi vibes but um yeah what do you think 
And so like those are something themes I, I see like coming in DAOs, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure what, what themes do you see right now in the wider crypto yeah. narrative coming into Thunder? Mm, okay. Well, I'm going to not start with that question. Okay. We'll get to wider, but specifically with ETH Denver, the thing I'm most excited about and kind of like intrigued by is this connection between ETH Denver and the state of Colorado. So like Governor Jared Polis is coming to the event and he's going to kind of give an update about, um, you know, just the state's relationship with blockchain. And like in terms of like what states are doing, like we saw Wyoming pass the Dow laws last year. It was like a little lackluster, right? There are kind of a lot of critiques of it. Um, a lot of people don't think it maybe did much. Um, and I think there are a lot of interesting things happening in Denver that are flying a lot more lower kind of under the radar, but there's a lot of amazing people and projects like based in Colorado. So it makes sense. Like John Pauler and his whole crew, um, like Kevin Awoki, Gitcoin, like those projects are, you know, based in that state. So for me personally, it's interesting. Like I live in the US, I'm a US citizen. Like I want to learn about like where we stand, like what it looks like to have a relationship between like DAOs and the state and like how you can operate in that way. I think everyone always wants to talk about regulation, like regardless, that's like always commentary that people are looking for. Um, so yeah, that's that's interesting to me. And I guess in terms of wider trends, like a lot of the things you touched on, I think are spot on, like, and I, I don't do any, I haven't done any PR for like um, NFT projects or games, but like GameFi, Play to Earn, like certainly, like I think that stuff is super interesting. Like a project like DeFi Kingdoms that kind of like gamified like yield farming and like, you know, did it through games. Like it's just, it's awesome. Cause like, I, I it's like DeFi Kingdoms is one of the, like, I was right, but I didn't make money. Cause I literally said to a friend, um, in September, I was just like, there's just like a Game Boy color game that and you could just do like uh, <laughs> my friend Clore and like <laughs> shout out Clore and like yo check out DeFi Kingdoms it's on Harmony I'm just like I just didn't feel like bridging to another chain because I was barely organized right and, like fatigue cross chain fatigue yeah, yeah I was just like fatigued I'm just like yeah. you know and I was just like get some like Harmony as like a proxy and then I just literally started <laughs> Just like, oh yeah. my god, I, I fell for the meme. I'm right, but I didn't make money. money. And so then I just basically like waited Wait. till like played it cycle. And once it like dipped, I'm right. just like, I'm just gonna like start. This is like a good entry point to get in. And now I've just been like questing for the past week. I like wake up, mm-hmm. I run downstairs, I quest. I like hilarious. Mine and garden. I go and work, and then at uh. lunch I check. I'm like okay, and then you know what, like. I've been stacking jewel. I've been stacking gold. Good <laughs> for really, you. Yeah. And like That's one great. thing I've, yeah. One thing I've done actually to keep in touch, to keep on track with everything because you know crypto is so segmented and stuff is I created a new Twitter account specifically for GameFi and DeFi Kingdom. So like the only thing the Twitter algorithm feeds me is like GameFi and DeFi Kingdom. Like I learned so much more from there because like my main Twitter account hmm. is like more That's than, smart. Like, main like i wouldn't call it mainstream crypto well, i wouldn't call it mainstream but like for crypto it's like mainstream like the main people and like defi and stuff there's like but i don't get like the defi kingdom stuff so i'm like i've like tailored like this for specifically for like game find and i recommend everyone just like create a new twitter account to do that if you want to like keep your eye on the ball with stuff mm-hmm. yeah, that's so a good idea i got really excited um, about DeFi. i want to share with you i have a defi kingdoms anecdote which is 
um, when we were in Miami for Decentral Miami, which I think that was the last time I saw you in person, uh, yeah. I got to meet, yeah. meet Dreamer from DeFi Kingdoms, who's kind of like their community lead. So number one, yeah. you should totally have him on. He's awesome. The day I met him, the day I met him, just like amazing story. He had just quit earlier in the week from working at Goldman Sachs for 10 years. Yeah, it was just like the most amazing story. He was like at his first crypto conference after leaving his corporate job and after this, you know, somewhat overnight success, like with the DeFi Kingdoms community. I mean, not overnight. I know like it's been around for a while, but for him, you know, kind of like coming in, representing this game, representing this community on this massive scale. And I was just so blown away by his just like, yeah, the stories he was telling about like why he was doing what he's doing. It makes so much sense. I actually. Yeah, yeah day or two ago so like that's very serendipitous. Nice. <laughs> yeah i think he'll be in in denver okay cool yeah all right yeah i'd love to like meet him in the DeFi kingdoms team because mm -hmm. like yeah, they got it right <laughs> they, I know. They, and like i'm excited and like i've I, I said this before like i think the next evolve is like, is they have to like really build out the social element of this and like i'd love mm. to i don't know if like twitter integrations are possible like imagine Twitter API, like right in the T5 Kingdoms game. And then you could just Sounds like. Sounds overwhelming. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like some, like, they had like a long feed. Um, but yeah, no, D shout out D5 Kingdoms. And there's like a bunch of other games coming out. And other, I'm not sure if you heard there's like, other, like, you heard of Twank Tranquil? Um, is that a game? Actually, Tranquil is. I, compound work on harmony and they're creating yeah. a game called DeFi area or something oh fascinating yeah and they sound pretty huh. cool but like yeah it's funny oh. like all like the game happening and then you have like treasure magic on arbitrum and whatnot but yeah like i think you really it's see game five multi-chain yeah multi it's just yeah now like the l ones the like the side chains and l2s are mature people are just like looking for something to do that isn't like like too complicated like your average like mm -hmm. dj and stuff. i mean of course like some djs will keep on playing like the DeFi games and whatnot but like people are looking for variety in the games that they're playing <laughs> so mm -hmm. but um i think so too yeah but um let's continue like we got we got on like a deep DeFi kingdoms like sidetrack but like what other like narratives do you see like wider in crypto um i mean i think like this year so far, I mean, the multi-chain like future, obviously this conversation of, yeah, of just sort of like, not even like Ethereum killers, but it's just like, how how will it work like a year or a couple of years from now? Like, are we really gonna be moving assets like across chains? Are we really gonna be like using bridges or will it not look that way? And like, I don't know, just like more conversations around like security um, and around hacks. Like, I feel like this year already, there have been a couple big ones. And I think a lot of folks are like, that is the stuff that makes headlines, right? It's like big numbers like that, like mainstream might end up reporting on some project that no one's ever heard of because it has a lot of money around it, but it opens up a wider conversation, right? Like it does create room for people who know what they're talking about to kind of chime in with their ideas on like bridges and like cross-chain tech. What do you think of the, the Bitfinex hack they called it? 
And like, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Very like the woman was like, yeah, you know, social engineer and like, yes, goofy as fun. And like, there's so I many mean, funny like, anecdotes. It was like the yeah. LinkedIn group that she had joined. It was literally like how to like money launder and like how yeah. to commit fraud. Yeah, and she was like a master in that. And like, they mm-hmm. like places I've been. It was just like. You know, like, oh, like in Egypt, like during the revolution, like, oh, bitch, bitch. Yes. And I'm just like, and you see, like, because I, I think it was like a human engineering hack, um, like a social engineering hack. That I'll write a book about this one day because there's a lot of things like I can't say now. Yeah. I feel like, be like a really crazy story. And like, yeah, they're totally fascinated. I don't know. What do you think? I, yeah, I mean, I'm just like totally fascinated by social engineering in general. Like there is like this book called Ghost in the Wires by a guy named Kevin Mitnick, who was just like a really, really prolific social engineer and like understood how to like hack phone lines before caller ID existed. So I've just like always been obsessed with people like that. So when the Bitfinex stuff started happening, it was just like a field day, you know, it was like, oh, this is fun because like there's a lot of layers here. I mean, on one hand, it sucks because it gives the crypto narrative a horrible, um, like it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But I think in general, it's just like any industry faces things like this, like any, especially any industry that has money in it. Like there's always going to be hackers. Like there's always going to be people stealing. There's always going to be people probably getting canceled for saying dumb shit. Like that is kind of built into like any type of community. Um, I kind of just take it as entertainment and then it's like, okay, what can we like learn from this? Or like, how can we shape the conversation or contribute to it in a way that is actually helpful or truthful or, um, just like useful in some way? Yeah. And I think it's better to like learn from these, keep bickering over them. Cause like when I see like fighting online, I just view it as some divide and conquer stuff. And I'm just like, let's get back to like, what's important, which is building and like remember like what we're building towards and remember like what we're trying to replace instead of like fighting with each other in the nitty-gritty details yeah i hope so too yeah so where can yep. people like find you on social media where people can people find yap global yap dow and like mm-hmm. and all that yeah um i'm on twitter my full name is miyakoda m-i-a-k-o-d-a but on twitter it's with three d's um, and then YapDAO also just on Twitter. We have a Discord, so feel free to jump in, say hi to us, and yeah, we'll get to continue our conversation in person very soon. Thanks for coming on. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you hear, like, subscribe. Yeah. I'll be doing more of these things, and we'll see you soon. And I'll see you in Denver. Yeah, see you in Denver. Bye.